If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. I want to start tonight and I want to tell you something really cool about your brain. You ready? Okay. Your brain is pretty awesome. Okay. And for any medical students, medical students, yeah, okay. Please don't like correct me like out loud. Don't be like, boo, false, heretic. Okay. Come and correct me afterwards. Okay. Your brain is pretty cool. And when you get this, when you encounter a metaphor, remember a metaphor is like symbolic language. Remember that? You know, Afrikaans and English from high school coming back to you. Something unique happens in your brain when you either read a metaphor or when someone says something in a metaphoric way. And this is what happens. Your prefrontal cortex, there we go. Your prefrontal cortex, it's a region located at the front of your brain. Your, wow. Your prefrontal cortex lights up. In any normal conversation, your prefrontal cortex is not not busy, but it's pretty chill. It's not working as hard. It's going through the motions, absorbing everything, assigning meaning to words, you know, and putting it into categories. This is how you grow to understand language. But when you encounter a metaphor, the prefrontal cortex, or I will from here on refer to the prefrontal cortex as the head boy or the head girl of the brain, it kind of sits upright and it goes, hey now, and it pays attention. Why? Prefrontal cortex does, uh, let's say the head boy and the head girl of your brain does a lot of really cool things. I'm not going to run through that list. Two of the really cool things that the head boy and the head girl in your brain does is this. It helps you store information. So it goes, okay, this is something worth remembering. Box that somewhere and put it in a safe space. Do not forget it. Second thing it does is it helps you form memories. Plays a large part in memory formation. What does that have to do with a metaphor? This is why You remember a metaphor you only heard once in primary school. Let me give you an example. It's raining cats and dogs, but you can't remember where you put your keys. (laughs) And you can't remember that meeting that you already scheduled 10 different times. Because all those years ago when your teacher did metaphors with you in class, the head boy and the head girl in your brain went, hey now, and paid attention stored it safe somewhere. Last really cool thing about the head boy or the head girl in your brain, that's also mostly where we form mental images. So when I say, do not think of a pink elephant, pink elephant comes to mind. It's your head boy or head girl going, wait, is she serious? Is it A physical, literal pink elephant? No, it can't be because that would look like this, okay? Must be abstract. Store the information. What the heck am I talking about? (laughs) When I read that, I thought, wow, this is why Jesus tells stories. (laughs) What? This is why Jesus tells parables. This is why he uses metaphors a lot in his teachings because he knows your brain and my brain 
will more likely not only be able to understand, but to actually remember, internalize, and make part of my life this metaphor or story or illustration that I'm hearing. Tonight, what I want to do is I want to look at one metaphor that Jesus spoke that you and I may have misinterpreted over the last few years being a Christian in church. You see, the invitation of Jesus is this, and this is our series. The invitation of Jesus is come as you are. Don't fix yourself. Don't prove yourself. Don't strain yourself. Don't force yourself to be this holy, bigger Christian in a sense. He says, right where you are, just like that. Come and follow me. You the prostitute, you the tax collector, you the leper, you the outcast, you the sinner, you this, you that. You follow me. When Jesus starts his ministry in Matthew 4, verse 17, we know this. He said, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. How many times have you seen that verse butchered on TV and in movies with signs saying, repent, dry of braai. Repent, Jesus, save my soul. If you don't, fire and brimstone be upon your house. When I see like the guy with the cardboard on the street or when I watch movies like Left Behind, I'm sorry, but I cringe when I see signs like this. Repent for the kingdom has come. You see, because this has often been used as manipulation to make us feel guilty. Like, okay, if Jesus could like pop up any second while I'm sleeping or working, I just need to make sure that my account stays clean. You know, I just need to repent 24-7 a day because if he comes back and there's unrepentant sin in my life, oh, trouble. But that is not at all what this scripture means. This is not the metaphor. I'm going to get to the metaphor in a second. What Jesus was saying when he said, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. He was not referring to make sure that your slate is clean because if there is unrepentant sin, you will be in trouble. That is not what he meant. What he did mean was this, listen up. There is a new kingdom that is making its way onto earth. Kingdom means king. It means a space of authority. It means someone new is coming to take a certain authoritative position on earth, and it's him. The kingdom... And the kingdom invitation, follow me, repent. That word repent, metanoia, it means to change my mind. Why? Because if I change my mind, if I change the way I think, automatically the way I go about life will change. And when he says the kingdom has come near, he's saying kingdom life is available to you and me. And the invitation is, follow him. There is a kind of God life 
now available to us right here and now. We don't have to wait for heaven one day. My friend, my brother, my sister, Christianity is not about waiting for heaven one day when things will be better. That is not what Jesus said. He said right now, the here and now, because I exist, because I came, because I paid the price, something of heaven is available to you on this side of eternity and you're invited into it. There's a God life, a quality life, a I know why I'm here. I know whose I am. I know that I belong to him. I know that he cares for me. He provides me. He protects me and he will sustain me. That kind of life is available to those who follow Jesus. But when it comes to kind of entering that life, not salvation, this doesn't speak about salvation. It speaks about kingdom life, quality God life, the, the experience of Jesus in my day to day. Sometimes we have a great deal of difficulty entering into that. We go through the Christian motions. How do you know if you haven't kind of taken that step into kingdom quality God life? One, when there's little joy, it's a really good test. There's little joy in your walk with Jesus. Maybe it's because you haven't quite taken that step. What keeps us from entering? Let's get to our metaphor. Please open your Bible to Matthew chapter 19. We're going to be reading from there tonight. Matthew chapter 19. Bring your Bible to church on Sundays. Make notes. Highlight Crop in it, write letters. I don't know, just make, make it real that your Bible is with you, you know? Matthew 19, from verse 16 to 24. Behold, a man came up to him, came up to Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Stop. All of us, if you haven't asked this question somewhere in your Christian journey, you will very soon. What do I need to do? What is the list? What is the expectation? How do I keep that account of mine short enough so that when Jesus comes, I will be welcome? I won't be like chased away from the heavenly gates. This man comes up to Jesus, asks, asks him, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replies, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. And then he says, if you would enter life, Keep the commandments. Sure, Jesus. The man replies, which ones? Which commandments do I need to keep? Which commandments are the most important to keep that account as short as possible? And then Jesus basically gives him a rundown of the 10 commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then the young man says, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? Stop. Can you see how it is very possible? It's very possible, my friend, to obey everything that Jesus has ever said and still have no experience of Jesus whatsoever. It is possible to have a 100% score and still have no clue what life in the kingdom is like. Here we have proof. The guy says, I've kept the commandments, but there's something empty in me. 
There is another question. It feels like I'm lacking. It feels like there should be something more. And then Jesus says, if you would be perfect, if you want the life, the God life, kingdom life, eternal life, he says, go sell what you possess and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus said this to his disciples, pay attention, we're getting to the metaphor. He says, truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. All the students go, amen. And then he ends by saying, again, I tell you, here's the metaphor clause. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. How many of you have always read that scripture and then you imagine the camel and a needle, like needle and thread, and then you go, obviously, like, does not work. Obviously, this is not a literal statement. Jesus is not saying you can physically force an actual live camel through the eye of a needle, pretty sure that a lot of people would have issues with that and you would go to jail for animal abuse. What Jesus was doing is he was using a metaphor. Let me explain the metaphor. I'm gonna need a prop for this. The eye of the needle, here is what that refers to. Ancient cities like Jerusalem, for example, had multiple places that you could enter in, okay? So multiple gates, big gates, small gates, gates just about the right size. And camels were obviously often used for transportation, right? Transporting goods and possessions and all of that. Fun fact about a camel, just quick ad break. A healthy male camel can carry about 400 kilograms across extraordinarily long distances. Now, just to contextualize that for you, the Springbok prop Frans Malerbe weighs about 140 K, so a camel could carry three Frans Malerbes, like, on his back, like, for very long. It's really cool. Camels are incredibly resourceful. Cool animals. So camels, upon entering the city, the gate that they need to, it's cool, right? That sure. Thanks, Deirdre. Deirdre helped me with that. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Upon arrival at the city, more often than not, camels loaded with 400 kilograms of goods and possessions could not fit through the gate. It was impossible to get the animal into the city. So what they would do is, they would first have to unload the camel, all of it, take it off. Then more often than not, the camel would have to bend a little bit and kind of crawl through a very narrow, narrow passage of gate to get into the city. Hence, the expression was born, camel through the eye of a needle. Why does that matter? Because I think a lot of times when it comes to your Christian walk and my Christian walk and my experience of Jesus, there are certain things I need to unload in order to step into kingdom life. What keeps me from kingdom life? 
that true experience of Jesus as I walk through my day, as I go about my rhythm, what keeps me from entering the kingdom life? There are a lot of stuff that trip us up when it comes to taking that step, following Jesus, entering into the kingdom life, the God quality type of life. I think one of the main things that keep us from that is stuff. That's not spiritual, I know. Stuff. Get this, the average household has about 300,000 items. If you were to count the things in your room at, on campus, if you were to count all the items in your house, even the Castellane crowd, they, they would get to half a million for easy. 300,000 items, get this, annually, you will spend 12 days every year just looking for things that you can't find. Your keys, your shoes, your wallet, just looking for things you can't find. On average, studies have shown, it's called the psychological power of possessions, studies have shown that on average, you are exposed to about 5,000 ads a day. And every single one of them says the same thing. Your life will be better if you buy what we're selling. Your life will be more fulfilled if you do this. Your life will be more joyful, more happy if you do X, Y, and Z 5,000 times a day. You have multiple avenues flooding you with you need more in life. When it comes to the kingdom of God, I think I've discovered a little bit, I don't think I'm there yet, but I think I've discovered a little bit that oftentimes in the kingdom of God, less is more. In the message paraphrase, this story of the rich young man goes like this. From verse 21, Jesus says, if you wanna give it all you've got, go sell your possessions, give everything to the poor, all your wealth will then be in heaven and then come and follow me. That was the last thing the young man expected to hear and so crestfallen, so sad, he walked away. Why? Because he was holding on tight to a lot of things and he couldn't bear to let go. If you wanna know what is the one thing or the, the two things or the 10 things keeping you from kingdom life, it's that one thing that you can't imagine living without. It's that thing. If you wanna take a spiritual dipstick test into your heart for just a quick second, just answer this question. What is the thing in your mind that you answer to God before you come back? I just need to blank. What is that thing? That is probably the thing keeping you from kingdom life. Is it stuff? Is it possessions? Is it a car? Is it a house? Is it the hope to finally find that someone special that you can spend the rest of your life with? Is it the bank account? Is it the amount of zeros that you have next to your paycheck? Is it power, success, the next promotion, the next raise, influence? Is it that? Are those things bad? No. If God blesses you with a lot of zeros on your paycheck, but with a one or a two at least to start it, not just zeros, but if he blesses you with an abundance of resource, hallelujah, praise Jesus, use it for the kingdom. <laughs> but if that thing becomes the thing where you go, God, just before you come back, 
I just want to find someone and marry them. God, before you come back, I just want to travel and see the world. God, before you come back, I just want to know what it feels like to drive in this car or to live in that house. God, before you come back, just this and that. That is probably the thing you need to unload in order to follow Jesus. I want to end with a story. I have a habit of packing way too much for a trip. Anyone like that? So it doesn't matter if I'm going away for one day or 100 days. The size of my luggage is exactly the same. It's even worse now that I'm a mom. Like we literally packed everything except the kitchen sink on December for holiday. Because what if Benji has diarrhea? Then we need the diarrhea medicine. What if he has a blocked nose? Then we need the nebulizer. You know, everything has to go with. Back in 2018, I was still single, and um, I was leading a community group at that stage, and uh, we decided for a weekend that we're gonna take a trip to Tabanshu Mountain. We're gonna go strike Tabanshu Mountain. I brought some pictures along so you can see some of the views and some of the fun that we had. But some of you might not know, but there's a little cave on top of the mountain that you can actually spend the night in. You can sleep there, it's pretty cool. So I organized my community group. See, that's what community does. We don't just read Bible together. We like climb mountains together. It's fun, right? We organize, we pack up. It's a pretty cool view, yes? And uh, we go hiking. I have a friend in this community group. His name is Neil. And yes, this is the same Neil that I ended up marrying a year later, okay? Because on that mountain, I spent like the whole day looking at his behind as we're walking up. And I just thought, that's it. <laughs> that is the bum I'm going to marry. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> and he's actually been up there before. So I, I, I wasn't up there before this trip, but he's been there. So I asked him, Neil, you've been there. So just help me like plan and organize, you know, so we can make this like a real proper breakaway. It has to be a lot of fun, right? And I start making a list of things we need to pack for one evening on the mountain. One evening on the mountain. And my list gets absurd, okay? And Neil, being the charming guy that he is, and I wasn't aware of this, but at this stage, he kind of thought I was nice. I didn't think he was nice just yet, but you know, so he was keen on trying to impress me because he was like, you know, who knows? This might lead somewhere. So he just says yes to anything I throw out there. Neil, can we do this? Yes. Neil, can we go there? Yes. Is it safe? Y yes. <laughs> Whatever I say, he just goes, yes. And I start giving the list of what we need to pack. But I start, it, it gets long and complicated. From like a whole Weber Bry, carry it up the mountain to Bry, because we can't just do Viennas. It has to be cool. They have to talk about this breakaway for years to come. So it has to be <laughs> like an actual Weber Bry. That's Anika. She's also here. Remember that? I tell him, okay, but... But wood is so much more fun than charcoal. So we need to carry up 20 kilograms of wood for a vibe. And he just goes, yes. Yes, we do. 
I go, listen, what if they forget to pack water? We need to take like cans of water. Yes, we should. <laughs> My list gets ridiculous. Because I just want this to be like a fun evening, you know, on the mountain, it's fun, kumbaya, around the fire, like people want to join my community group after this. And eventually Neil says, okay, okay, Aiden. And he says, listen, what we need for one night on the mountain is there, trust me. Travel lightly. Don't go overboard. We don't have to take this and this and this and this and this and this. Trust me, I've been there. I've seen it. I've actually spent the night there. I know what we need to go up the mountain and it's way less than what you think. I wonder how many times we complicate our walk with Jesus simply because we are attempting to carry so much more than what we should. Whether it's unforgiveness, anger, resentment, wealth, success, a bank account, a car, a house, a relationship, power, whatever it may be. And the invitation of Jesus tonight to you and me is this, unload. Before you enter, Unload, get rid of the anger you're carting around with you. It will do you no good. Wow, this is heavy, Anya, wow. <laughs> the anger will do you no good in the kingdom. Power, get this, power and success does you no good in the kingdom. You know what does you good in the kingdom? The posture of a servant. <laughs> Success and a bank balance will do you no good in the kingdom. You know what does you good in the kingdom? Putting others first, giving it away, being generous. Are those things bad? No, that's not what I'm saying. But it's when those things become the thing that I can't live without. Jesus, please just don't come back before I sort this out. I want to just do this first and then you can come back. Unload. I want to invite the worship team to join me. It's a lot of unforgiveness in that case. I want to invite the worship team to join me on stage. Jesus' invitation is this. Come as you are. Don't fix yourself. Don't prove yourself. Don't strain yourself trying to perform and be someone you're not. Wherever you are in life, whether it's good, bad, ugly, fantastic, Come, follow me, but before you can take that step, maybe you need to unload certain things. When the world shouts vengeance, the kingdom life shows forgiveness and mercy. When the world shouts power, step on that person, climb the ladder, be the success, kingdom life takes on the posture of a servant. When the world keeps throwing bad news and bad news and more war and another petrol hike and more potholes and this corruption and that incredible sad thing about a whale washing up or something like that, kingdom life brings hope, light, salt to the earth. I think that's why in Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, seek the kingdom live righteously 
And He, referring to God, will give you what you need. Seek first the kingdom, live righteously, and He will give you what you need. Can I invite you to stand with me? I want to invite you just to take a moment and consider what is the heavy that you are carrying around with you in your walk with Jesus? Is it the idea of you have to forgive that person but you don't want to? Is it your bank account and how much you would really like to be in there? Is it your possessions, that car, those clothes? that house that you want? Is it the hope for that relationship? What are the things that before you can enter that gate, not referring to the gate of salvation, remember there's a big difference. Salvation is free. You can come with all your baggage to salvation. That's not the invite. Come with all your baggage, all the heavies. If you wanna be saved, that's cool. The, the price has been paid for you and me, but the quality of your experience, of your relationship with Jesus, my friend, will really lighten if you unload whatever is that thing holding you back. I'm gonna pray for us. And then I wanna invite you to make this practical in some way. Whether you write it down in your Bible or type it on your phone or whatever the case may be. But I want to invite you, if God is genuinely speaking to you tonight about that thing weighing you down, we have two ministry stations on either side of the stage. There are pens and these little cards that you can write on. If you feel faith in your heart tonight, Jesus, I want to unload this thing. Before I enter the gate of relationship, I want to unload these things that are weighing me down, that worry me, that overwhelm me, that concern me, that keep me from following you wholeheartedly. If there's faith in your heart, then Jesus is speaking to you about something specific. I want to invite you to just go and write that down and put it up on the board as a, as a sign saying, I'm unloading this thing. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to worship and then we can use the ministry stations. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that salvation is free to us. You have paid the price, Jesus, and the invitation to us tonight, no matter where we might find ourselves in life, the invitation is that we can come as we are to your throne with confidence and boldness like children. And Father, I pray right now that by your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to your children, reveal to us the things that keep us from a kingdom life. Reveal to us the things that worry us, that overwhelm us, that distract us, and that keep us from taking that step into a God quality type of life. Father, give us faith to surrender that to you, to surrender it to you wholeheartedly so that we can follow you, Jesus, wherever you lead us. Amen. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.